if you all want to find a seat, we'll go ahead and get started. Uh, if I have not had the pleasure of meeting you, my name is Crystal, and I uh, have the joy of being the pastor here at our Second Street campus. And um, yeah, it's just, it's the one of the joys of my life um, to be with you all on Sunday mornings and spend some time together worshiping the Lord. So we're launching a new series today, and the new series title is Something Stinks. Something Stinks, yeah. And this series, um, when I found out about it, uh, because I don't collaborate on every series that we do, we have a wonderful teaching team and we take turns collaborating. And when I w first found out about this series, um, I found out it's going to address bad attitudes. And I was like, the first thought that popped in my head is, people are gonna automatically think we're doing TED Talks. You know, because when you hear the word attitude and you automatically, maybe it's just me, I'll speak for myself. You go to self-help thinking, um, books, you know, I think because I had a career prior to this that involved um, leadership, like attitude was always part of that, and we'd have workshops on that, you know, having a positive attitude and that type of thing. But the reality is our attitude is so biblical, <laughs> and it is addressed over and over again in the Word of God. And it affects everything around us, for good or for bad. And it affects our lives, and it affects the people in our lives and the world around us. And so this is going to be an amazing, important series. And what we have to recognize, and we'll be talking about it all the time through the series, but we need to recognize we have the ability to change our attitude. <laughs> we have been given the authority to change our attitude. <clears throat> One of, I was going through my message with Megan, and I was talking about, because guess what? I have a library of choices of stories I could tell about attitude from our home. Crazy. Isn't that crazy? And I brought up one story, and she's like, oh, no, I think you should tell this story. And I'm like, oh, that's a good one. Because literally every person in our home had a bad attitude in this story. <laughs> we had taken a trip to go to Disneyland. I know. That's all I have to say, and you already know. You guys already know. And the kids were older. I mean, they were like high school. Um, and we were in the middle of having our day at Disneyland. And if any of you know my son, Nathan, um, he is known for putting his mind to something and not giving up on what he wants to do. Like, that is, like, he will, mm, that's what we're doing, we're doing it this way. And that guy had a plan and an intention for that day at Disneyland, and there was no go with the flow happening at all. And Dave and I were tired, 
hungry, you know, that sort of thing. So Nate was like stomping his foot type situation as a grown man at Disneyland. Um, Megan was on the verge of tears, sad because she probably, like most of the time when she's tired, she needs a cookie. So she probably needed some sort of a cookie. And um, what we ended up doing is putting our entire family in time out on a bench at Disneyland. Like the entire, like we're like, we're not getting up till we work through this and we have a different attitude. Like we're either gonna change our attitude and have an amazing day here at Disneyland or we're just gonna sit on the bench. And we ended up changing our attitude. And we ended up having an amazing day at Disneyland. We also ended up going back to the hotel room and taking a really long nap. That helped as well, yeah, yeah. But we had the power to change it. And the truth was, I don't even remember who first had the bad attitude. I feel like it was probably Nate, and I can say that because he's not here today. But it was affecting the rest of us. It was affecting the rest of us. And it was causing our attitudes to tank as well. So I pulled up some stats on attitudes, um, some little blurbs, and I thought there were some interesting things. So I'm gonna read a few of those things. So the first thing I pulled up said, if someone has a positive attitude towards something, they are more likely to act in a positive way toward it. Likewise, if someone has a negative attitude, they are more likely to act in a negative way. Attitudes also can have an effect on how people think. This is known as cognitive dissonance, science. Next thing, why is attitude important? Attitude is important because it can influence your ability to move through the world. For instance, maintaining a positive attitude can help you achieve measurable success in your personal and your professional life. Next one, how does negative thinking affect you? According to an article in Psychology Today, negative thoughts have a big impact on your brain function. Not only does negative thinking make it harder for you to think logically, but the fear of failure that is often associated with negativity slows down activity in the cerebellum. Science. If someone is exposed to negativity or constant criticism early in their lives, they may mirror that behavior. Listen up, parents. Children raised in an environment where criticism, pessimism, doom and gloom, and negativity are common will end up having that mapped into their developing brains as typical behavior. Whoa. Whoa. You know, the Lord talks about this. It's like, it's like he knows the way our bodies and our brains were made. In our lives, we are constantly encountering attitudes, whether it is the attitude of those around us or even our own attitude. The reality is that our attitude and the attitudes of others have the power to either empower us or be self-defeating. 
to lift up others and ourselves, to share or to serve ourselves. The truth is our attitudes have the power in every situation for better or worse, good or bad. We as Christ followers are called to adopt the same attitude as Christ Jesus in our lives. Here's the thing. We're 100% responsible for our own attitude. No one can give us our attitude. We have to take ownership. So even that day in Disneyland, even if it was Nate that had the horrible attitude right away, at the same time, I'm responsible for my attitude. I am responsible. The Apostle Paul addresses this in the book of Ephesians written to the church. And he said this, starting in chapter 4, verse 20. But that isn't what you learned about Christ. Since you have heard about Jesus and have learned the truth that comes from him, throw off your old sinful nature and your former way of life, which is corrupted by lust and deception. Instead, let the Spirit renew your thoughts and attitudes. Put on your new nature, created to be like God, truly righteous and holy. Throw off, put on. This verse is a call to action, a call to transformation. It is a call to let go of our old selves and embrace a new way of thinking and living. It is a call to renew our minds and spirits in the light of God's truth. To throw off your old nature, your former way of life. I just wanted to give you a visual. It literally is like taking off a set of clothing and putting something new on. It literally is a physical way of doing things. The idea is to change into a different kind and a different way of doing things. I gotta take that off because it's really warm. Think of, think of a prisoner who's released from prison, but still wears his prison clothes and acts like a prisoner and not as a free man. The first thing to tell that person is they should put on some new clothes, right? Take that prison clothes off. Put on something new. You'll feel different. You'll act different. Even as putting on different clothes will change the way you think about yourself and see yourself, even so, putting on a different way of seeing, hearing, and living will start to change your attitude. This means that we shouldn't wait to feel like the new man that we are before we put on the new man. Fundamentally, Paul says that for the Christian, there must be a break with the past way of thinking. Jesus isn't merely added to our old life. The old life dies, and he becomes our new life. 
the old life dies. The past way of looking at things, the past way of believing, the past way of talking, all those things have to go. The Apostle Paul in his letter to the Ephesians is urging us to not conform to the patterns of this world, but to be transformed by the renewing of our minds. So this is not a one-time event, but a continual process. How many of you know that is true? Yeah. That old way of thinking or believing will start to rise up inside of us. And then we have to renew our mind with the truth and focus on the truth. It's a daily decision to let go of old destructive thought patterns and replace them with new life-giving, life-giving thought processes. But how do we renew our minds? How do we change the way we think? You guys, we have to immerse ourselves in God's word. I don't use that word immerse lightly. We have to be swimming in the word of God. This has to be what we feed on all the time. The Bible's not just a book, it is the living word of God and it has the power to transform our minds and our hearts. As we read and meditate on God's word, we begin to see things from his perspective, we begin to understand his will for our lives, we begin to think differently. We can't just snack on it once in a while. We have to be digesting it meditating on it, thinking about it, building ourselves up in it. Next, we pray. Prayer is not just about asking God for things. It's about aligning our will with his. Gosh, that's an exciting way to pray, you guys. Show me what you're doing, Lord, so I can be a part of it. He'll tell you. He'll show you. Most of the time, it's, I'm loving people. Okay, align my heart with that, Lord, because sometimes I don't feel like loving very much. It's about surrendering our thoughts, our desires, our plans to him. How many of you have had an ugly thought? And it's like, Lord, can I give that to you and say, I'm so sorry? Repent of that thought. As we pray, we invite the Holy Spirit to renew our minds and align our thoughts with God thought, God's thoughts and our plans with God's plans and our hearts with God's heart. And also, we surround ourselves with godly influences, the people we spend time with, the books that we read, the movies we watch, the music we listen to, all these things can influence our thinking, our speaking, our mindset. I know we beat that drum all the time, but do you know why we do? Because it's true. How many of you have watched something afterwards, you're like, ugh, that was horrible. Why did I just give an hour of my life to that garbage? 
Or you start to read something and you're like, this is the most depressing, awful thing. Like, I can't handle this right now. Or music literally makes us feel things. And sometimes the things that it causes us to feel aren't great. So when we say those things affect the way we think and our mindset, it's because they do. They do. Who we choose to surround ourselves with affects us. You ever been around? You guys, one of my favorite Saturday Night Live sketches of all time is Debbie Downer. But that thing is painful. It's like, oh my gosh, Debbie Downer, stop. Um, but you know, those, whoever you're around, it can affect your behavior and your mindset. Think about your friends. And that doesn't mean, you guys, I'm not saying that we don't, of course we're out ministering to people in the world and we don't only create a Christian bull bubble. That is one of the most dangerous things that Christians do. That is not what we're called to. But who I allow to pour into my cup should be somebody that's walking with the Lord. And then it gives me something I can pour out. The word tells us to think on things that are true, that are noble, that are right, that are pure, lovely, admirable, excellent, and praiseworthy. And lastly, we put into practice what we learn in James 1.22. It reminds us, don't merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. It is not enough to just read the Bible and pray. We have to live out what we learn and put our faith into action. Renewing our minds is not easy. It requires effort and it requires discipline, but it is worth it. In Romans 12, 2, it tells us, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. That by renewing our minds, we will be able to test and approve what God's will is for us. And then we can embrace the transformation that God wants to bring about in us. I want to be clear that attitude is not the same as your emotions. It is not the same. Of course we grieve. Of course we're sad. Of course we get angry and frustrated. But we can grieve and have an attitude that honors God and those around us. They can go hand in hand. The Lord encourages us to fill things and to take those things to him. We look at Jesus as our example, as we do in everything. 
In Philippians 2.5, it says to adopt the same attitude as that of Christ Jesus. Adopt the same attitude as him. So what does it mean to have the mind of Christ? I love the word adopt here. If any of you are familiar with adoption, you know that it is messy and it is hard and it is a struggle and it is a choice. It is all those things. So to adopt the same attitude of Christ Jesus, we have to recognize it's going to be messy and hard and a struggle, and we're going to have to fight for it and choose it. Having the mind of Christ means embracing humility. Jesus, though he was God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Instead, he made himself nothing, taking on the very nature of a servant. He humbled himself even to the point of death on a cross. As followers of Jesus, we too are called to live lives of humility, putting others before ourselves, serving rather than being served. That feels messy and hard, <laughs> if we're being honest with ourselves. Most of the time, we want to put ourselves first in every single situation. That is the reality of the flesh. That is the dying to the old way and putting on the new way. Having the mind of Christ also means living in obedience to God. Jesus was obedient to his Father in all things, even when it led to his suffering and death. He trusted in God's plan and submitted to his will. Similarly, we're called to obey God, trusting in his goodness and his sovereignty, even when his ways are not our ways. How many of you know so often his ways are not our ways? <laughs> I mean, all the time, all the time. We look and we're like, why is this happening? How come that's going that way? Your ways are not my way. Your ways are not my way. <laughs> I'm the only one that chants that on a regular basis. It's the truth. And having the mind of Christ means loving unconditionally. Jesus loved us so much that he was willing to die for us while we were still sinners. His love was selfless, sacrificial, and unconditional. As his followers, we are called to love others in the same way showing kindness and compassion to all, even those who may not love us in return. Those who don't act like us, live like us, look like us, talk like us, especially those. Lastly, having the mind of Christ means seeking God's glory above all else. Jesus did not seek his own glory, but the glory of his Father. He lived to fulfill God's purposes, not his own. 
In the same way, we are called to live for God's glory, seeking his kingdom and his righteousness above all else. Elizabeth Elliot said this. She said, I know one thing. I shall not find joy at any time in the contemplating of what I am. It will be first in the contemplation of God and then of those he put around me. Soak that in. I know one thing. I shall not find joy at any time in the contemplating of what I am. It will first be in the contemplation of God and then those he put around me. Having the mind of Christ literally goes against our human nature. It requires us to deny ourselves, take up our cross, and follow Jesus. But it is the path to true life, true joy, and true peace. His goodness and his sovereignty, even when his ways are not our ways. In Romans 15.5, Paul says this. He said, May the God who gives endurance and encouragement give you the same attitude of mind toward each other that Christ Jesus had. I find it so interesting that these are all written by Paul, who was shipwrecked, beaten, thrown in jail, you talk about a guy that had a reason to have a horrible attitude. It was Paul. And yet, he's the one encouraging us continually. Take on the mind of Christ. Adopt the same attitude as Christ. Have an attitude of mind toward each other that Christ had. Your mindset comes from whatever you set your mind on, and Paul's mind was on Jesus and what he had done and what was to come. What was to come. I think the older we get, there's two things that happen, right? It, at least it seems like it to me. I find two, two camps one of them, my grandma was in. It was the grumpy, mean camp. Any of you know that person? I mean, up until the day she passed away, oh my gosh, she got meaner and meaner, and grumpier and grumpier, and complained continually about everything. And of course she had things to complain about. Her body was failing her. Her mind wasn't, she was sharp as a tack. And then there's those that soften and continue to grow in joy and peace. And they recognize how good God has been to them. And it just oozes out of them. Um, there's a woman uh, that I try and keep up on. She, she preaches and speaks, and um, she and her husband wrote a book because... Um, she had a, a, a brain tumor that caused a stroke, and she's confined to a wheelchair most of the time now. And all that happened um, when they were newly married. 
and her her health and her life is a series of hospitals and different things when she's not um, speaking at churches and church camps and things like that. She's so inspiring to me. Um, but she she wrote this week because her husband's uh, grandfather passed away. And so they just celebrated his life. And she said this, she said, we celebrated the life of Jay's grandfather, Peeps, is what they called him. I love that so much. And she said, we can't remember a conversation in recent memory where Peeps didn't earnestly say, I'm swimming in a sea of blessings. He told us over and over again, that we were his heroes. He spoke his love over everyone through words and smiles and laughter and tears. In his final days, he wondered aloud in awe why God had been so good to him. Though he had endured his fair share of heartbreak and struggle, Peeps lived a humble, hopeful, faithful, and fruitful life. And we are more encouraged than ever to live the same way. I love peeps. You noticed people with attitudes like that are like balm to your soul. Just hearing the line, I'm swimming in a sea of blessings, makes me look at my life from a totally different perspective. It encourages me. It changes my attitude. We have the power to do the same thing. Can you imagine what it would be like if you were sitting at a table with a group of people and someone asked how you're doing and you responded with that. Everybody's filter shifts. Or you could say a whole list of how crappy everything is. We're not asking you to fake it. That's not what we're saying. The reality is there's a lot of hard stuff going in your, on in your lives. We're asking you to look at that hard stuff from a different perspective. You look at it through a different lens. And I tell you what, when you look at it through a different lens, it makes it easier to move through it. Paul knew that as he sang worship songs from a prison cell. He knew that. So my encouragement this week is going to be that we all accept that we're 110% responsible for our own attitudes and to adopt that of Christ. To read the word, to renew our minds, and to adopt 
the mind of Christ. I'm going to invite the worship team back up. And I'm also going to invite the prayer team up. Really want to encourage you all. In fact, worship team, if I can, I just want to give us a minute or two of silence. I want us to sit and think, what do I need to focus on? Am I simply reading the word, but not absorbing it? Am I not reading the word? Am I trying to renew my mind, but I'm not adopting and putting on the new? Do I even realize that I have the new to put on? I know silence can be uncomfortable, but when we give space for the Lord to speak to us, he speaks. He shows us. And what happens so often with church is we hear the word, we do the thing, and then we move out, and we don't ever absorb what God wants to say to us. And so we're going to sit for a minute here, and then I'll invite the worship team to play, and we'll have the prayer team available. Yeah. Lord, would you speak to us? Would you show us?